part two of the seductions of a cult next on polygamy what love is this this is part two of our two-part discussion on the seven seductions of a cult that was written by janice hutchinson you can find her article on her blog at the link on the screen, JaniceHutchinson.com. Janice herself had been caught up in a cult, and she's sharing some of the red flags about cult recruitment and hopefully help people recognize how cults work to brainwash new members into their agenda. A brainwashed person doesn't know they're brainwashed, and they cannot know until they get away and, and are able to look back objectively. Janice writes that everyone is susceptible to the lure of master manipulators who are the brainwashers. We discussed the first four points in part one, so we're going to begin with point number five of the seven points of seduction of a cult. And again, Dorothy Catlin is here helping uh, with the uh, presenting of this information, and thank you, Dorothy. You're welcome. So number five on the list is us versus them mentality. The leader will save his people from the enemy, whomever or whatever that leader declares it to be. A person's biological family, other religions, the government, the world in general, a political faction or a race. By creating an us versus them mentality, an enemy unfailingly provokes dedication and unswerving loyalty. And boy, is that ever true. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Growing up in the polygamy group, it was a big us versus them. Mm -hmm. We were the only right people on the planet and everybody was out to get us. Mm -hmm. Don't trust the government. They even told us not to drink from public water fountains <laughs> because they put birth control in it and then how could we have all of oh our kids? Gosh. I mean, it was big us versus them. And, and they do. They do that still. Uh, it's big in the LDS church as well. I don't think they go as crazy as the polygamy groups do, but it's still there. Well, and the only safety is inside the group. If everybody mm -hmm. outside is defined right. as the other, the enemy. The enemy, the Boy, them. is that mm -hmm. relevant, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, it's very powerful, <laughs> very powerful. Uh, in fact, the LDS church will ask their members if they support or affiliate with mm -hmm. or agree with any group or individual whose teachings or practices are contrary to or oppose those accepted by the Church of Jesus. Christ of Latter-day Saints, period. Well, the Bible does that. Uh, and, and, and if it isn't official practice to shun non-Mormons from weddings and baby blessings and other key religious activities, it's exactly the red flags of a cultic agenda. Mm -hmm. But worse, when someone leaves either of these religions, polygamy or the LDS church, they can be cut off completely from their friends or from their family and from all they've known all their lives, from social gatherings and activities. And it's pretty tremendous for some people and traumatic for many. Those in the group continue on with their belief that they are special. God loves them most and ignoring the person who apostatizes is actually considered a good work. Someone in the Kingston group even claimed that shunning is biblical because Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Totally misunderstanding and twisting of what Jesus said and meant. Now, a sure sign of a cultic group is their treatment of you if you choose to leave. Polygamy groups especially manipulate the them versus us attitude. But Jesus said, we are to love and pray even for those who are against us. Mm -hmm. Matthew 5, 44, but I tell you, 
love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6.35, but love your enemies, do good to them. Mm -hmm. Matthew 5.45-47, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Although those who choose to leave really are not your enemies at all. They treat you as though you were yeah. their enemy. But Jesus said, well, this is how you're supposed to treat enemy. So they can't claim Jesus in any of these practices. The next point is number six. Indoctrination of beliefs. A cult's more bizarre beliefs and practices are always hidden from new members. Therefore, when entering the group, recruits are placed at a beginner's level and exposed only to the basics. General beliefs are communicated through assemblies, classes, talks, songs, and personal testimonies. If it's a religious cult, beliefs are falsely validated with Bible verses. If members hear them often enough, they will believe. Oh, that's this so true. So true. That Even so true. in Christian churches, for if Bible verses are misappropriated and misapplied, people just come to believe. Oh, that's what that means. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are mm -hmm. all vulnerable to this. All are vulnerable. That's mm -hmm. what she says. We're all right. vulnerable to the, the to it. So we have to d be responsible for our own self mm -hmm. and check out everything that is said and who says it. Um, and and of course, that was my next point to check out all cult mm -hmm. movements, uh, such as the Jim Jones uh, People's Temple. Now, when when we'll often hear someone say, oh, they drank the Kool-Aid and everybody around them won't even know what they're it's talking about. It's part of the culture. We say that and without even realizing that that's a specific reference to that event. To that event. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Where they knew they were drinking themselves to death. Mm -hmm. And and that shows how easily the human mind can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. Nine hundred people, yeah. men, women and children drank the Kool-Aid that was poisoned, and they all died. Every one of them mm -hmm. died. It was horrible. Um, of course, once converted into the cult, the member now has the opportunity of advancing into the elite levels of the group, and they may be privy to inside information, and they have a higher spiritual calling that can give them special duties, and are then taught deeper doctrines. By then, they've been so brainwashed, they have become easily manipulated, and they don't question. Even when doubts begin to creep in, they'll ignore them out of personal shame and guilt or unwilling to give up their elite status. For instance, a Mormon leader, Uchtdorf, I think is his name. I don't know his first name. He said Indeed. this. Some might ask, but what about my doubts? It's natural to have questions. There are few members of the church who, at one time or another, have not wrestled with serious or sensitive questions. One of the purposes of the church is to nurture and cultivate the seed of faith, even in the sometimes sandy soil of doubt and uncertainty. Faith is to hope for things which are not seen, but which are true. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, my dear friends, please first doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. No, this sounds real good. I remember listening to that, mm -hmm. actually, that mm -hmm. conference talk. Oh, boy, I, I froze. My blood went cold when I heard Oh, that. my goodness. And it sounds really good. You know, just, just hearing it on the outside, it sounds good. But is, is it based on what Jesus taught? Is it based on the truth of Jesus? Notice he said, 
Faith is to hope for things which are not seen, but which are true. And the footnote in that quote is Hebrews 11.1, 1, but he misquoted it. He turned, and so he turned it into a lie. Now, would any of his listeners go to that scripture and check it out? Would they go there and find out the context and find uh, study it through the entire passage to discover what it truly means? Or does it matter? Because the leader said it and spoke it, then uh, there's no more to be said. That is what cults do. The polygamists do the same things. They say God said when he didn't say. They claim modern revelation from God when God said there is no more revelation, but that he now speaks through Jesus Christ. He is our final authority and our final prophet. The canon is closed. God says, test everything. Uchtdorf says, no, doubt your doubts. He didn't suggest you test them. We quote again from the questions on how to and how not to seduce possible new members. Avoid deep subjects. Ah, there's the meat. <laughs> this is interesting to me. Deep subjects are intensely personal spiritual experiences such as visions or the three degrees of glory should not be discussed at this early stage. The gospel is wonderfully simple and simply wonderful. Approach it in an uncomplicated way. Well, oh, the Mormon gospel okay. is not simple. Not it's simple very at Very complex. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I was appalled when we first started talking with missionaries about how there's, you know, you keep asking questions and you keep going, oh, and why is that? Oh, and we have to obey that. Oh, and, you know, it's like. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they have laws for everything. Law of chastity, law of consecration, right. law of right. temple, law of tithe, law of this we and that. We teach our children, here's the core of the gospel. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right. right? Simplicity. He loved me so much, he died for me. Mm -hmm. Well, there it is. That's a simple. Pretty simple. Simple gospel. Pretty simple. And everybody, no one will have an excuse because everybody can do that. Everybody can grasp that. Exactly. Now, they teach the same technique that we just avoiding read, deep, avoiding the, the, avoiding the deep, subjects. deep questions. Yeah. At their missionary training center, Robert Millett uh, used to teach at the center. I don't know if he still does. He might. But anyway, he taught, don't answer the question they ask, answer the question they should have asked. We quote Millett here. We aren't obligated to answer everybody's questions. You already know more about God and Christ and the plan of salvation than anybody who will attack you. Answer the right question. We never provide meat when milk will do. Isn't that sweet? That is, Isn't that That is sweet. so troubling. It, very troubling. And notice that he is equating questions with attacking. With attack. Yeah. That was the first thing I saw. The second thing I thought of was that Jesus welcomed people's questions I and know. engaged with them and uh -huh. often asked them a question back. He never rebuked his disciples for asking questions. No, he ever. always discussed it. Mm -hmm. Yep, and he gave them meat answers too. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that whole idea of meat and milk comes out of Hebrews 5 when the writer of Hebrews says, now you, by this time you ought to be eating meat, uh -huh. but because you have not learned discernment by the training of your senses, you're stuck drinking milk. Yeah. And, and essentially, it's, it's an urge to grow up so you can. Grow up. And Peter says that. He says, grow up. Grow Stop up. being babies and mm -hmm. grow up. Right. Yeah. So this meat versus the milk is not something that 
the way the Mormons use it, that is a well, biblical. Again, it's another one of those appropriating a biblical idea or biblical words and redefining it mm-hmm. and misapplying Reapplying it. it. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to check it out. And they don't question it. They don't look mm-hmm. at it. Uh, the polygamists, of course, they, they practice the same deception and, and secretive cultic behavior. Uh, I have watched and read dozens of interviews and statements made by polygamists. And it's easy to pinpoint their misinformation. Uh, They're lying for the Lord when they answer sensitive questions. They are the epitome of cultic control uh, of their members' lives. This is not an exaggeration, but is actually understated. Now, the final point of the seductions of the cult is this. Restriction of free thinking. Members must not question the cult leader or their beliefs. For example, the Mormon church states, Lucifer wins a great victory when he can get members of the church to speak against their leaders and do their own thinking. When our leaders speak, the thinking has been done, says this article, The Improvement Era, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, June 1945. But that still is comes up in conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, still, oh yeah, spoken, still does. The thinking has been done, which makes me crazy. The appeal of the New Testament is to the mind, mm-hmm. right? The, mm-hmm. the epistles are full of, now think about this. Now, don't you know this? You need to use your mind. Well, and one of the things that came up in one time as I was thinking through things like this is uh, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength and when you have this don't do your own thinking your thinking's been that's loving god with your mind at all that's loving your leader right and letting your mind fall out or dry up i don't know but it's not biblical well the scripture says renew your mind Mm -hmm. renew your mind exactly so you're thinking the way the Lord Jesus thinks mm-hmm. instead of... And we have the mind of Christ. Deferring to our <laughs> our heart, following whatever our feelings tell us. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now, uh, and one example is the, the dogmatic name change, and we're not going to lay heavy on that. We've talked about it in the past, and, and we don't need to go through it again. Uh, but this administration of the Mormon church, uh, previous administrations used to be proud to be called Mormon. Mormon. Uh, and many... PR programs during those times used the word Mormon profusely. Uh, Previous presidents have spoken gloriously. Hinckley was one of them about their privilege of being called Mormons. Now they can't. Now it's not right. That's cultic behavior. And the polygamists, many of those groups have the name Jesus Christ in their title, yet the LDS Church rejects them despite the fact that all of their roots are found in Joseph Smith. Personally, I think that that President Nelson made this announcement because the Mormon fundamentalists were making some big waves and it was adversely affecting the mainline church to have the word Mormon in it. So he took Mormons out of it. And that's just my personal observation. But at any rate, Joseph Smith is the author of both. And they're both cults. Knowing about these seven cult characteristics can alert a person. But how can someone who is being recruited by such a group recognize they're being deceived or discover the group's hidden beliefs and and practices? Now, maybe you aren't going to be deceived by this, but maybe your child or someone that you know or someone that you love is being uh, coerced into a cultic group. You need to know these signs. But we want to quote what she says about this. Uh, from Janice's blog. Discern truth from error. In cults where leaders claim extra-biblical revelation, 
Bible verses are used out of context. Members can be easily deceived and struggle to discern truth because they are not well versed in the Bible. Therefore, the best safeguard against this deception is to read and study the Bible. And that's Doris, I have to say, this is why I do what I do, mm-hmm. and why Jim and I both do what we do. Yeah. I'm constantly reading with women, taking them back into the Word, saying, you know, let's read that and take every question and go, you know, let's search that down. Exactly. Let's, let's look at what the Bible actually says so that we can sharpen their senses to discern mm-hmm. what's true and discern- what's not. Discernment is so mm-hmm. important, so important. Um, now, most, uh, especially the the two religions we're dealing with here, Mormon LDS and polygamy groups, uh, they all, they claim modern day revelation, uh, and it won't always fit in with what the Bible already says either. Uh, but they'll use language that's suspiciously like the King James language, so that they'll sound more spiritual, and they take verses out of context or change the wording. Uh, so that it is saying something completely different than what it really says. People who do not know their Bibles are very easily deceived when they're faced with the method of the cultic indoctrination. God has told us to test everything, but the biblically illiterate person does not know how to test for spiritual truth, and the cultic recruiters know it. They can and they do feed them bad information and the naive swallow, seeker will swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Biblical illiteracy is the reason that cults flourish. Janice lists four major teachings on which cults are likely to be off base. She suggests that we question uh, those who are seducing the potential member into their special religious group and these questions are these. Who is Jesus Christ? What is the what is the gospel message from God? Mm-hmm. What is the church, and is the Bible their sole authority for doctrine? Good four questions. Questions, mm-hmm. and, and and they're testable. Mm-hmm. The the answer to these are easily tested just by opening your Bible and finding mm-hmm. it. Uh, of course, there's other questions that could be asked, but these are four basics to determine truth from error if they answer honestly. And it's easy to discover genuine Christian faith if, or if they're a cult. And no, all religions do not lead to God, the same God uh, who saves us. All paths do not lead to the same place. And Jesus said that the way to eternal life is narrow and very few find it. And so to determine if the group you're looking uh, to belong to is a cult, or um, even in the gray area between cult and truth, we're going to give the correct biblical answer to each of these questions. The first question is, who is Jesus Christ? Well, polygamists and all of Mormonism claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? They all say that. The Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but there's a difference in the Mormon meaning and the biblical definition. They teach a Jesus who is our elder brother, the spirit brother to Satan and all the demons, and the eldest child of God the Father and God the Mother in heaven. We quote, Among the spirit children of Elohim, the firstborn was and is Jehovah, or Jesus Christ, to whom all others are juniors. Is that the Jesus of the Bible? Not the Jesus I read about in the Bible. Elohim is not God the Father's name. And he does not beget spiritual children in the spiritual world. Jesus is God who became a man to declare God to mankind and to die for sinners, to pay their penalty for sin so that man can come to God. 
Jesus Christ is God, the only existing God anywhere, everywhere, ever. We quote. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now these are telling us that Jesus is God. Mm. And there's other scriptures, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and verse 12 in Hebrews 1 through 4, many, 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 many other scriptures in the New Testament. All cults, all cults will deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They deny that he is the eternal God in the flesh. The second question that she, should, she suggests we ask the recruiter is, what is the gospel? How do they explain or define their gospel? Well, now the Mormon and polygamous gospel is very long and detailed and complicated and filled with all kinds of laws <laughs> that you've got to obey. With polygamy, of course, polygamy is a big part of their saving gospel, just like it was in the early Mormon church. But with the main LDS church, we could sum it up with their article of faith number three, I think. <laughs> we believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Okay. That's so a pretty big addendum that's there. That's a pretty big yeah. if, yeah, by <laughs> obedience. Every cultic religion depends upon obedience to some kind of works, and the member must do those works to earn eternal life, and that's not good news. <laughs> that's what the word gospel means, good news, but that's right. not good news. Anytime any works of any kind are added to the authentic biblical gospel of Jesus Christ, it becomes a non-gospel. In fact, God has placed a curse on any gospel that's different than the gospel that he has given. Mormonism has added temple works, tithing, celestial marriage, and so on. And, and, and of course, polygamy has added polygamy to it. But you can identify a religious cult by finding out what their gospel is. And the biblical gospel is clearly stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Please go get your Bible and read those verses. And Ephesians chapter 2 explains the saving gospel of authentic Christianity. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then a couple of verses farther on, starting in verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now that's good news. That's very good news. The good works follow Whoa. on our salvation. They don't earn us uh -uh. salvation. They, merit, they do not merit favor with God, nope. with us at all. No. Nope. At all. So, the, so grace is God's favor shown to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the only way we can be forgiven of our sins and receive the free gift of eternal life. It's that simple and that powerful mm -hmm. and based on Jesus Christ and his finished work rather than any work that we can do. Now, the next question to ask the recruiter is, what is the church? So Janice writes, contrary to what cults believe, 
God does not favor one church, one Christian church or denomination over another, nor are other Christian organizations composed of false believers. And Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 and 4, 1 to 6 speak of that. Mm -hmm. So as Doris said a minute ago, get your Bible. Yeah. Look those up. Get and, your Bible and, and read them. Read those mm -hmm. verses. They're very, very powerful verses. And everybody on the side of truth will listen to Jesus. Now, each individual group claims to be God's only special group and people. They can't all be true, but they can't all be wrong. They admit that other religions have some form of truth or bits and pieces of it, but they alone have it all. And you can hear, if you ever hear someone say that, turn and run. Christianity claims that only Jesus Christ is the truth and we follow him and no one else. Now, her final question is, is the Bible their sole authority? All of these seductive groups may use the Bible, but they also add their own particular writings to be equal with or on a higher level than the Bible, always. But Christianity believes God by recognizing that the Bible is the only infallible, sole, authoritative word of God based on several scriptures. Again, get your Bibles and read Isaiah 40, verse 8, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. And there are many, many other places that God has elevated his word and says so. And we're going to quote from Psalms. Psalm 138, 2. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you've exalted above all things your name and your word. Isn't that wonderful? Mm. All above all things. Only mm. one name given by what we must be saved. Only one book given for us to read and get saved. Now, Janice blogs that education is absolutely necessary in order to overcome the deception that the cults throw out to unsuspecting converts. We quote. She says, once equipped, there will be no problems when introduced to a cult's false teachings. As Ephesians 4.14 states, you will no longer be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. A general study of cults is also helpful for recommended reading. See the endnotes. Libraries and local churches often have books on cults, as do Christian bookstores. But a study of specific cults is even more advantageous. And with the Internet, there's no reason for people right. to be deceived. There's Easily so much information out there. Um, but you need to also keep in mind that a deceptive false religion will never claim to be a deceptive false religion. <laughs> <laughs> they claim to be the truest of all religions. And finally, she lists several characteristics of a cult. We're going to read some of them. A self-appointed leader claiming a special mission, deception in recruiting, showering of love and attention, does not reveal all doctrines up front, rigid standards and absolutes, keeps members unaware that there is an agenda to control or change them, exerts mind control through thought-reforming techniques, suppresses old behavior and attitudes, and instills new ones through a system of rewards and punishments, may forbid contact with family and former members. There's more isolates members from society, maybe physically or psychologically. Members may be required to confess former sins under the pretext of making them free to be later used against them. It restricts free thinking and questioning, forbids reading of unapproved literature, may require members to give up professional career and or give all personal wealth to the cult, pushes members to recruit new members and raise money instills members with fear and guilt to keep them from leaving, 
The major key then to assure that one is not seduced into a cult is education. Learning about deceptive recruitment methods, manipulative and unethical techniques, as well as acquiring knowledge of the Bible to test a cult's doctrine can help assure one of a safe, happy, and productive life. Good advice that she has written here. And there, like we said, there's plenty of information out there, books, videos, articles written by former cult members, former LDS, former polygamy group, and so on. In fact, we're closing this topic with two quotes by a former polygamous wife, Joanna Hanks. She and her husband had been seduced into joining a polygamy group, and she later wrote a book entitled, It's Not About Sex, dot, dot. In other words, it is about sex. This is what she said about cults. <laughs> when you look at a cult from the outside, it's hard to fathom how anyone could buy into its insanity. But cults suck their victims in degree by degree until everything is viewed from the inside. All sense of rational detachment is lost. Cults are horrible things. They rob you of perspective. Worse, they make you afraid to trust your common sense. Here's the best protection from charlatans, manipulators, controllers, and opportunists I can offer. Whenever you find your emotions pulling you toward believing the opposite of what the evidence says, overrule your emotions and trust the evidence. There is no better way to spare yourself the pain of needless, unfortunate decisions. Good advice, good advice. And she experienced all of being sucked into a cult uh, and being brainwashed by them and then getting out. So she said, check it out, trust the evidence. And that's good advice. Mm -hmm. that's and good God advice. has provided throughout history yes. evidence upon evidence upon evidence. Yes. The, the largest piece being the resurrection of Jesus Absolutely. from the dead. Yeah. But the evidence of God's faithfulness extends all the way back to the mm -hmm. beginning of the story in Genesis. Right, right. And the evidence of changed lives. Mm -hmm. Those who believe God and trust Him, their lives just go through, like Paul the Apostle. And, yep. and my own life, I can, I can say that about my own self and everybody who trusts Jesus. Yep. So God never changed. asks us to believe without evidence. Right, He doesn't. He doesn't. Thank you. I really appreciate your input. <laughs> and, and your Oh, hey, it's, it's been really great. Thank you so much. Um, I was listening to Alan Wright on the radio program a couple of days ago where an observation was made that was so good, I felt I had to share it with our viewers, and these are the observations. There are two demonic spiritual forces at work in humanity. One, the spirit of rebellion against God, and two, the spirit of religion. The spirit of rebellion is summarized as, don't tell me what's right or wrong, I'll decide that for myself. The spirit of religion is, we will tell you what's right and wrong, and we alone are right. All this is true. That is the mindset of so many people. They refuse to think and believe the way God intended, so they reject or invent religion. They, they, they won't turn to God, but they will claim their own moral standard is completely acceptable. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we pray that you will give up everything else and just come to Jesus. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. 
If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.